Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another Ask Zach. Hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about mandolins uh, and uh, how, why I picked up the mandolin, why I think other guitar players should think about uh, learning how to play, you know, some basic mandolin and what it can offer to you. First, a little pause for the cause. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't done that already. And then we've had some requests for merchandise, so we have a store. And the link is in the description. And if you want to support the show, uh, pick up a, a coffee mug or a t-shirt. And thank you. All right, mandolin. Uh, the reason I was interested in learning how to play the mandolin was from watching television and seeing two of my favorite guitar players. One was uh, John Jorgensen and the other one Albert Lee in the late 80s, early 90s. You know, of course, they would play some Telecaster stuff, and then uh, they'd pull out the mandolin and do all sorts of interesting things. And I just really, you know, it was interesting. I was, uh, you know, I gravitated, you know, toward the mandolin and just really liked it. I liked its sound. So I picked up a uh, inexpensive, you know, plywood mandolin, uh, you know, with a chipboard case for a hundred bucks, uh, the local classified ads in Corpus Christi. And, uh, I started learning how to play it, and it really threw me off, you know, at first, you know, because, of course, the, the tuning, you know, it's in fifths instead of fourths, uh, but what kind of helped me in the beginning was thinking of the mandolin as a upside down and backwards guitar. So if you think of, like, this as being the two low notes on a, you know, kind of open G chord. So that's kind of how I started out, and then, of course, it helps if you know some uh, some theory and know, you know, what, you know, know the notes of the fretboard and also, uh, you know, what notes make up, you know, a G chord or a C chord or whatever, and then start learning some major scales, learn some arpeggios. some techniques that will really help uh, endear you to uh, to others when you're playing the mandolin. First off, I would say don't play rhythm like you would on acoustic guitar or like the acoustic guitar player might be playing. So let's say you're playing something in G and you know maybe the acoustic guitar is going to be doing something like this. 
Well, you don't want to double that. Uh, what you would want to do is do something that complements that. So um, maybe you'd want to do like a chop kind of technique um, where And to do the full bluegrass chop, you really have to cover all the strings and you and because in bluegrass, the uh, the mandolin is kind of functioning like the snare drum. So, so first off, don't you know do that jangly uh, you know kind of uh, you know rhythm like you would on an acoustic guitar maybe. Um, another thing is. Uh, you know, you have this great tool of the the fact that the mandolin is in a different sonic range. So it kind of has its own sonic real estate. And so even if, you, you're, if you're playing in a full band, most of the time the other instruments are not in this frequency range. So you're going to be heard pretty much no matter what, unless you're playing with a crazy loud band and they have you turned off. But... Uh, you know, yeah, you can play all these things and they don't fight in the same, you know, you're not fighting in the guitar range unless the guitar capos way up. You're not fighting the piano player because most of the time piano player is not playing up high anyway. You know, most everyone's kind of fighting for the mid range, you know, the vocals, uh, you know, some of the, the drum stuff, even some of the, you know, the guitar, everything's kind of fighting for mids. And this kind of has a nice angelic high end. So, uh, there's a number of things you can do to kind of stay in that area and really compliment what's going on. A great way is just learning the melody of the song and being able to, you know, play the melody on the high strings. Uh. Another is, of course, a technique I just used, which is tremolo picking, uh, which, of course, is, uh, you know, kind of moving the pick across the strings and uh, sustaining it. That technique's very important. And of course you can use it on a single course or, or a double course. So it sounds really nice when you hit, you know, like a G chord like this, um, and you, uh, you know, kind of cover all the string. And there's so many little simple things that you can do that really complement what's going on, and it, it's not hard. Uh, so yeah, if someone, if an acoustic guitar player is playing a G chord, and uh, they're finger picking or something, you can just play a diamond or a whole note like. You can just do something like that, and it's a nice kind of compliment. Or you can do the, you know, the tremolo picking. And you can play inversions. Or you could play a little line. And, uh, you know, as long as you're playing the notes that are in the chord that's being played, which again comes back to kind of knowing the fretboard and knowing uh, some basic theory, uh, you're going to be in good shape. And you just, you know, try not to play on top of the vocal. Uh, another technique that uh, is really nice on the mandolin is what's called cross-picking. And cross-picking is basically finger-picking, but using only a pick. Because you can finger-pick on the mandolin, but it doesn't sound great. Um, so here I'll show you what trying to finger-pick sounds like.
It's just, it's, it's clumsy. So cross picking is this. So that technique is very useful. Uh, the, Jesse McReynolds, uh, part of the bluegrass duo, Jim and Jesse, originated that. And uh, where I first heard it was uh, John Jorgensen using it on the uh, Desert Rose Band tune, uh, Time Between. Actually, that's Chris Hillman wrote that for the birds, and uh, but they covered it in the Desert Rose Band with Chris Hillman. And uh, he did some amazingly fast uh, cross-picking on there. Also, uh, just a side note on Jorgensen, he, uh, he would use the mandolin through uh, effects, like he would use uh, boss vibrato or rhythmic delay. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna create kind of a Spotify playlist with some of these tunes. Yeah, Jorgensen would sometimes run his mandolin through his Vox AC30s and use pedal effects on them and stuff like that. And very influential stuff, but back to where we were uh, yeah so cross picking is a great way of uh adding you know a nice element so I mean, it, it doesn't have to be really even like a, a line like i was doing before it could just be like a like a g chord where Just you know, really simple things can uh, can uh, really add a lot to uh, to the other musicians, and uh, and you, again, you have the advantage of being in this frequency range where you're not fighting everybody, and uh, you end up getting hurt better. So there you have you, know, you kind of have the rhythmic chop, uh, you have the cross picking thing, you have the tremolo picking. Um, my favorite mandolin players, besides John Jorgensen, would be Ry Cooter and uh, and then Sam Bush. I love all the bluegrass guys, but I'm just not a bluegrass dude. I'm just I love it. I love listening to it, but I, you know, that's a, a so much of a, a a chops and such a physicality to playing bluegrass that you really have to be married to it and decide you're going to be a bluegrass guy and that's it. And I'm I'm not that guy. So I want to use the mandolin in more of a folk, country rock, uh, rock and roll, or bluesy kind of way. And, uh, you know, Rye Cooter is an example of, you know, using the mandolin in more of kind of a bluesy kind of rock and roll fashion. And part of what he does is uh, he does a lot of fifths, uh, which part of that is, you know, because he's, he's, playing a lot of open tunings and stuff that end up having a lot of root and fifths and chords. And so let's say you play a G chord like this. Well, that has the third in it right here. Well, if I take that up and play it like this, I have it where I'm only playing roots and fifths because I have root, fifth, uh, and then fifth and root. So you get this. And that has a different sound than this. You know, lose, losing the third gives it a, a, a power, also an ambiguity to it also. And by doing this shape, you can kind of get more into that kind of Rye Cooter kind of uh, thing that he would do like maybe like this. 
has a fun, you know, element to it. Um, again, just by deciding, okay, I'm not going to play thirds and I'm, you know, only going to play, you know, roots and fifths and I'm going to stack those. It, it creates a more powerful and less kind of country bluegrass sound, you know, and, and that's a great way of taking the mandolin again, away from the folky kind of sound is by, you know, stacking that. And then of course you can play, you can play thirds and then add, add like the flat, the, you know, the dominant seven. So those, you know, those are, you know, some things you can do. You know, of course you can play lines, play solos. But, you know, if you take a little time to kind of learn the mandolin and, uh, you know, learn a little bit of, you know, the layout of the, of the fretboard as far as where the notes are, and just some basic techniques. If you try not to do this and, and try to figure out how you can do chops or diamonds or even a lick, you know, those things will add a lot to the music. Um, as far as like uh, getting a mandolin, of course, my first mandolin was this, you know, inexpensive, uh, you know, like I said, it was all, you know, plywood, uh, it was a hundred bucks with a chipboard case. Uh, my next mandolin was a fifties Gibson A50, which of course was a nice kind of student, you know, A style mandolin that Gibson made. And I loved the sound of it, but it hurt my hand like crazy to play for more than like 30 minutes or an hour. And so, I ended up getting rid of it because of that. And what I learned was vintage mandolins uh, have a, have, they have no radius. The fingerboard is completely dead flat. I mean, it is flat as can be. And then they have the tiniest frets. I mean, they're just almost paper thin. And then especially the student models have tiny, tiny, tiny necks, both the width of it and the depth. And so they're very small. And so this mandolin that I'm playing today is a Breedlove K5 that was made in the late 90s. And this mandolin was one of the first that I was able to find um, that had a wider, it was wider at the nut. It had more depth to the neck. The fingerboard is radiused and then it has bigger frets. And all those things add up to make it uh, more guitar player friendly or more friendly to people with bigger hands. Or maybe it's just to people that aren't as crazy dedicated as uh, bluegrassers. So, but anyway, uh, this is the mandolin that I've played for the last, you know, 15 plus years. And uh, I love it. I've added a, uh, an LR Bags pickup. Uh, it's kind of like their mandolin version of the L LB6. Unfortunately, they stopped making the, the pickup, so I guess at this point I would recommend uh, they, they have a stick-on pickup, or I would check out the K&K &K Mini that can be installed in a mandolin. That's a, that's a good pickup. Uh, as far as mandolins, there's tons of inexpensive mandolins that you can pick up and, you know, for, like I said, you know, a couple hundred bucks or even a hundred bucks to see if it's something you want to do, and then you can spend a little more money. If you're really going to be serious about it, 
and you're a guitar player, I recommend getting one that has a radiused fretboard and bigger frets. And now that's a fairly common thing. It's not like it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago where it was only like high-end instruments or, you know, I think I, I bought this used for about 1800 bucks, you know, back in the, in the mid 2000s. So, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, strings, uh, oh, first off, you know, of course you can use a capo with one of these things. No one's going to, you know, someone might make fun of you, but, you know, just tell them they're a dummy. Uh, capos are fine for guitar or electric or mandolin or whatever. Uh, then as far as strings, I use these, uh, right now I'm using these Diodario nickel bronze that are 11 through 40. I like those. The strings I've used before that, which I still use some, are the Elixir NanoWeb because they're just... They have a long life to them, and uh, and they're they're kind of slick, which is nice when you're kind of moving, you know, sliding around on the mandolin fretboard. Uh, and then I just wanted to mention this box, which a lot of you are probably familiar with. With it, the LR Bags Paracoustic DI. I love it. Uh, it has a great. It really it has a lot of EQ control over it, which you might need that, you know, live. And then also it just has a great sound and a great feel to it. With other DI, with other DIs that I've used with the, with mandolin, tend to get a really hard sound, and uh, it's hard to play, you know, with a hard sound. And this bags DI just has a softness to it, and it's a, a natural softness, not like it's you know overly gushy sounding or something. But I just I really love that box. So uh, those are kind of the tools. Um, I normally, on guitar, electric guitar or acoustic, I use a, basically a Fender Medium and use the, you know, the rounded edge. Uh, but on mandolin, I will use a more expensive, thicker pick. So right now I am using a blue chip pick uh, because uh, Keith Williams at 5 Watt World sent me one to, to check out. And this is their thinnest because, again, I don't like thick picks. So this is their TPR35RB. And it has a 5-watt world logo on one side. So this is a cool pick, and I really like it because of the bevel. So this is about the thickness of like a Fender Heavy. And uh, it's the lightest that Blue Chip makes, but uh, I like it. it uh, it's really good for, again, for, for rhythm playing, for lead. Uh, has a nice fat sound. And uh, yeah, it's just, it, it, it feels good. But again, I don't like these kind of picks on electric guitar or even acoustic most of the time, but I do like these kind of fancy picks on mandolin. So uh, those are kind of some things to kind of get you started. Um, you know, you just got to watch out because uh, once you start playing mandolin and start bringing it, uh, people are going to want you to bring it all the time. And you're probably going to get a lot of compliments on it because people like mandolin. And so... <laughs> You know, it's funny, when I started playing mandolin, even though I'm a much better guitar player than I am a mandolinist, uh, I still get a lot more compliments on my mandolin playing. And that's because it's more of a unique instrument, and people can really hear it because it really sticks out. And that's the, that's one of the great things about it. People can really hear, even you know, non-musicians, they can really hear the mandolin, and they love the sound of it. So, yeah, another reason to pick it up. Of course, you might get your feelings hurt when people are, aren't saying anything about your blazing Telecaster licks, but they're talking about your, uh, you know, your, your little mandolin tremolo playing where you played a simple melody, but people like it. 
uh, I, I, you know, mandolins helped me out a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of times uh, I take an electric guitar and a mandolin on a lot of uh, a lot of the gigs that I play, and uh, and it's a lot of fun because, you know, being able to have those two instruments to switch between really gives you uh, two very different flavors, and you're really able to create very different moods with those two instruments, and it really gives you a lot of versatility, makes you more employable. Uh, the only thing that makes you more employable than that is by being a great background singer. But that's another episode and, and, and not for me. So guys, uh, thank you so much for watching. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you'll consider picking up the mandolin and learning how to play it and uh, just having fun with it. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzach.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.